0: Given the police and uh, the situation with the guns and the gangs, We heard today Chief Saunders Mayor Tory announcing a $3 million plan to place 200 more officers throughout the city during times that they believe the uh, bad people congregate, 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. It was like shift work, I guess. I'm wondering if the gangsters get a shift premium. But that all being said, you know, uh, there are a lot of people proffering solutions, whether it comes in the way of uh, more police presence, uh, how the police interact or confront uh, who they perceive to be the bad guys in certain neighborhoods. And then there's the community outreach where the mayor believes more money into that is a good thing. There's uh, also, you know, a hard-won experience that can be communicated to some of these gangbangers if they're willing to listen, and one such is uh, Ricky Atkinson. Ricky Atkinson spent 32 years of his life in jail after being part of Toronto's Dirty Tricks gang. They operated in the Alexandra Park neighborhood, which, as I say, is Bathurst and Dundas area, and he's got a new book, The Life Crimes and Hard Times of Ricky Atkinson, and he's joined us on the line to tell us, what lessons he's learned that he could impart. Ricky, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Hi there. Good to be here. Well, listen, I mean, uh, I'm reading in your book uh, some of the stuff, the nefarious practices you were involved in that got you in uh, the bin. We picked locks, we cracked safes, we climbed buildings, through sewers down through the roof of places. And I'm thinking, boy, that almost sounds like innocent stuff compared to the gang bangers today. Gang, gang life has certainly changed, hasn't it?
1: Well, not really, because we did that other stuff also. So there is stuff we did in the daytime, uh-huh. which is primarily robberies. Yeah, and there's stuff we did at night, which is stuff you just alluded to. So when we had too much heat on us from the robberies, then we gravitated towards the night for safety purposes, and then creeped around in the downtown core, it, 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 stealing goods, which seems benign, but in the long run, it's not. When you look at how much money it's made from it. All right. the, thing is, the the point you made is, is there a difference between now and then? I'd say no, because in 1971, when I was just 16 years old, I had broken into army players, surplus stores, gun stores. Around the, that area of downtown Corley we had amassed a lot of military weaponry, and you have to ask why. We had that same firepower that the kids are using now. We had it back then. The question is, is why didn't we use it? to the extent that they're using it now. That's basically what's it, because the gangs per se haven't changed in in the last 150 to 200 years, how they form and the mayhem they create in society around them.
0: Well, that's interesting. So uh, there's a certain psychology, I guess, that's consistent, you're saying, over the generations, but then what has changed today, and uh, what's that rooted in?
1: Okay, so let me allude to, to touch on something. A cop a couple of months ago told me that in Alexander Park, they doubled the police patrol, i.e. similar to what the mayor and the chief is talking about now, in the Alexander Park uh, area at night between 7 and 7. So they doubled their budget, doubled their patrol. That's what they're talking about now. So let's look over this over a 40-year period. How effective was that doubling of everything? So to put it to succinctly, during my last arrest, Court documents would show I had 32 officers a day following me for 18 months before they arrested me. And under this new program, there will be one cop per five guys. So hmm. what I surmise will happen is the guys will just be like cockroaches with a cockroach spray. They'll just disappear. The weak and stupid will get caught. The smarter ones will hide in cracks and crevices until the heat dies down, and they'll come back again. The solution has to be something other than that. And the mayor touched on it. He's giving... Fifteen million dollars or twelve million of our Ontario tax dollars to social programs, but you must also include mental health issues, because in my book, and you alluded to it, I touch on dancing on razor blades—a phrase I use often—and what it means is, is we're suicidal and homicidal at the same time. That what dancing on razor blades is a metaphor for gunning down someone is a suicidal event and also a homicidal event because if you miss, you might get killed, and if you get caught, you serve the rest of your life in prison, a no-win situation. Hmm. The question is, why would someone do that repetitively? And it has to be in the mental health area that we examine this.
0: So you're saying... We
1: have to treat it.
0: Right. Uh, so psychology is part of the root causes.
1: It has to be. I would looked at myself as I had to have had some screws loose who have done the stuff that I've done, the antisocial stuff that I've done. And here's the thing. Most of my antisocial criminality was for one reason, so that I can create myself back into the mainstream. In other words, through my criminality, I can be a respectable citizen. That's the illusion most organized criminals have, is that if they do good, they, too, might be President of the United States one
0: day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, again, with Ricky Atkinson and his book, The Life Crimes and Hard Times of Ricky Atkinson, 32 years in jail for the gang-related activity, the Dirty cri- uh, Tricks gang uh, that operated in the city's, uh, well, downtown core. So... By the way, when you talked about uh, the number of cops who had uh, sort of kept tabs on you, like on a per capita basis, uh, that's unheard of in today's terms. But did the cops also confront you? Were they confrontational? Like a form of carting in the day, Ricky?
1: In my book, we talk about carting. So I live in the Parkville area, so I pass the place every day. But at the corner of Jameson and uh, King Street... I was sitting in my car on a warm summer night or day with my window rolled down, and I felt a thirty-eight press up against my head. And I looked, and it was a cop, a detective who said, pull over, I want to search your car. That's the ultimate carding. He didn't ask (laughs) for my name. He pressed a gun to my head. I pulled over, and he searched the car, and he said, you're free to go. (laughs) Here's the the thing. I expected it. We expected this kind of overt police presence because we were doing that kind of stuff we didn't feel free or immune from police we'll call it retribution in a sense or job personification i don't know how you're going to term it but they were on us heavy okay so there's one thousand criminals they've identified and 200 cops to go after them giving them overtime pay they're going to go through the same stuff that i went through and they're going to be marginally successful They're only going to create a dent like they did in our day. What they have to involve is more social welfare programs, more psychologically based programs. So what I've come up with, Meredith didn't offer me any money, but we, me and a couple of guys came up with this program that involves cops in the neighborhood. There's a couple of cops in the neighborhood we are teaching boxing, so I approached them and asked them if they wanted to fight for what we call the blue belt, and we'll match them with other cops and other amateur boxers. So I've got one prison guard, One cop ready to fight, four other cops supporting him, two divisions getting behind this, and that's what we do now. We have to work this together to make it work.
0: All right, so embedded in the community. But just to back up with the cop pressing the 38 against your temple, I mean, the ultimate form of carting, as you called it. You know, look, uh, the cops can't do any of that stuff even close, let alone making contact and writing stuff because political correctness won't allow for it. So uh, have we actually shot ourselves figuratively in both feet by not giving the police the power to do that kind of stuff?
1: They have a different kind of a power now. They just put the money into creating rat funds is what they do in correctional service of Canada. Here's the thing: lots of murders happen the last few years. What's the re- what's the arrest rate on those murders? It's pretty low in our correctional system. They have a higher arrest rate for murders, almost ninety eight, ninety nine percent. So why are they so successful in arresting? Uh, guys that commit homicides in prison, when these people outside of prison, a microcosm of society, let's say, are less successful, it's what you offer in prison, they just offer more. So the same guys that would normally be quiet take that bigger, they're greedier, offer a, a bigger piece of cheese to a mouse, he's going to jump at it, that kind of analogy.
0: Well, you know, uh, I asked Fantino, he's a former chief of police here, and uh, he's Global News Radio's uh expert on crime he says rewards don't work well tell that to the Correctional
1: Service of Canada tell them to take all the rewards away and see what happens rewards do work punishment doesn't work and listen I know Fan uh, when he was a rookie cop in the 14th division when I first started guns and gang stuff we start first started this game we play with the police this cat and mouse game he was there when I started it he was a rookie then
0: all right, uh, so you so both came up
1: Okay, so let me put it to the point that yeah, they had the death penalty then. They had uh, life sentences for robberies and all this. It had no effect. The punishment aspect didn't have no effect, and this is why. If you're dancing on razor blades and you have convinced yourself that you're going to die soon or go to prison soon for the rest of your life, what punishment is effective? None. It's as if you're woken in the death chamber for what you do. You're suicidal and you're homicidal. There has to be some other way than the heavy hand of the law. Right. The heavy gavel. Because the heavy gavel didn't work all these years, and we're seeing that. So there has to be not a lightening of the gavel. I'm not saying to lighten up on the gavel. I'm saying to redirect the resources that propel that gavel so you don't have to hit so hard so often. Yeah. And, it gives, and it gives hope to the people in the community especially marginalized people we have nothing to lose by losing our life that that's that's a psychological concept to hear all the time and i challenge that with guys i say i've survived all these years i had a friend playing russian roulette when i was younger and that friend said what difference does it make i'm not going to live past 27 anyways and the police killed him a week before his 27th birthday he was right Mm. And that re- and that resonates. So,
0: Ricky, you're right. It takes a kid to hear from a gangbanger not to follow another gangbanger because that person's sucking them in. So, you think the outreach of people who have experienced what you did and uh, you know who have street cred—that's an important route uh, route to take to uh, rein some of these kids in.
1: Exactly, because when I tell them, "Listen, you're all going to turn the switch unless you die. Unless you die, you're going to turn the switch, even if it takes 25, 30 years in prison." It took me 32. The sooner you turn that switch to pro social activity, the better off you are for the rest of your life. Not that your life is going to end up being so sweet, it might not, but it will one hundred percent be sweeter than it was on on the track you 're on. So what I say is how high do you want to go in crime? We went to the top level; we were major players in the game around the world. None of us were happy. The money was never sweet. All the bullshit that you have to go through in dealing with cops, other gangs, rats amongst you, the justice system, it's all not worth it at the end. And most guys, 99% of us, when we get older, we say that it's not worth it. And I just wish I had someone like me to talk to me when I was 12, 13, or 14 years old. It could have changed my life.
0: It's a great lesson to take away. It's in the book, The Life Crimes and Hard Times of Ricky Atkinson, who right now teaches boxing and spins pottery during sessions with kids in Alexandra Park. Boy, that's a, a great testimonial firsthand. Really appreciate it, Ricky. All the best to you going forward. Okay. Thanks a lot. You got it. Well, there you go. Next, we got Cam. Leftovers and end cuts, so it's almost like, you know, uh, we're just following uh, the bouncing ball. We'll get around to uh, our buddy who's usually here on Fridays, but in my absence tomorrow, he's decided Thursday might be as good a day as any. We'll talk about the World Cup of Soccer and other stuff in moments on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.